today on the Tearsheet Podcast. It really is all about trust. Um, commerce at all levels is based on the notion that you know who you're dealing with and that you um, trust them. And as our economy becomes increasingly digital, as our lives become increasingly digital, um, as we experience more and more services digitally, um, it just makes this uh, element of trust, which is uh, founded on digital identity, that much more important. The following was produced by Tearsheet Studios. We worked with consulting firm Ulysses Partners to create a four-part series on identity proofing and the importance of user experience in the emerging landscape. The series is based on our co-created guide, the Identity Proofing Guide, a practical hands-on review of user experience in leading solutions. In this session, I'm joined by David Milligan, Managing Partner at Ulysses Partners, and Ruby Walia, Advisor to Fintechs and Startups. We'll be talking about identity proofing and why it matters, why we need to think about UX when it comes to identity proofing, and how financial providers can bring this technology to market. I'm David Milligan. I am the uh, managing partner of a firm called Ulysses Partners. And we are a boutique consulting firm working with banks and uh, established fintech firms in the US primarily, but also around the world. Great, welcome. And Ruby, can you introduce yourself? Who are you and what do you do? Sure. Thank you, Zach. So Ruby Walia, uh, I've led digital and technology teams in Fortune 500 companies in the media and entertainment and more recently in the last decade in the financial services space. Um, for the last couple of years, I've been advising a number of startups, uh, fintechs mostly. Great. Welcome to you as well, Ruby. So we're talking about identity proofing. Um, what is that and, and why should we pay attention? Well, I think maybe let me kick off on that one. So, I mean, identity proofing really is the critical job of confirming that the person who says they are, someone when interacting with an organization, is indeed who they say they are. And um, it most typically occurs during the onboarding process. So, in other words, when people sign up for something. And uh, it's critical in financial services especially, but in fact goes across all industries. So identity proofing really has got two elements in it. And the one is that does the real world identity exist? And two, that the person who asserts that this is their identity is in fact the same person who legitimately owns that identity. Um, and that's a simple definition, but it's very powerful. Um, and as we talk, I think we'll see that, you know, it's increasingly critical today to get that right. And in their efforts to um, make onboarding smooth and seamless. Sometimes we feel organizations may have been sort of losing track of how to do identity proofing in the most robust way. Yeah, I would just add that it really is all about trust. Um, commerce at all levels is based on the notion that you know who you're dealing with and that you um, trust them. And so unless you have that foundational element in place, um, it's really hard to do any kind of a material uh, exchange in, in goods or services. Um, and as our economy becomes increasingly digital, as our lives become increasingly digital, um, as we experience more and more services digitally, um, it just makes this 
uh, element of trust, which is uh, founded on digital identity, that much more important. Yeah, I, I mean, just to build on that really quickly, I, I think that yeah, it, it starts, we're most used to it in the field of financial services, but as growth of digital channels grows in every part of our lives, you know, it becomes more and more important. And just um, as kind of a heads up, I mean, you know, people are talking a lot about the metaverse as a potential new digital channel. And yeah, I think we'll find that being able to prove identity in that space is going to actually become more and more critical. So um, yeah, identity proofing is absolutely critical for many organizations, not only in financial services. Yeah, and you know, the last thing I would say is if you go back um, to how you opened a bank account 20 years ago, you would walk into a branch, you would have some kind of physical uh, uh, documentation, it could be a driver's license that showed you were who you said you were. And the person who was opening the account would look at the, the document and would look up at your face and yeah, the picture matches. And so you must be who you say you are. Um, and then you would actually sign a signature card, which the bank never really used, but they would file it away somewhere um, as evidence of having, you know, of, uh, this, this is your signature and they could use it in the future if they ever needed to match it to a check or other document. Um, and so, when you when people are opening accounts online and not walking into uh, a branch anymore, and in in most cases it's not a phys, it's, it's, there, there isn't even a video element to it. In many cases, you're just filling out a form to apply for a credit card or open a, a checking account. Um, and so, how do you now in that? very anonymous kind of setting um, establish that the person across the internet who's trying to do business with you or who's trying to open an account with you is who they say they are. Um, and so I think you know, the, 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 these digital identity solutions are becoming more and more critical every day. I appreciate um, that description. Now, as we're talking about added um identity or added security, there's an impact, there's a trade-off, right, on, on, on usability on the user side. Can we talk about um, the impact of identity proofing on the user experience? Yeah, so I think user experience, Zach, is, um, is really, really important. Um, there was a, uh, an HBR, Harvard Business Review article written um, in, in the late 90s by a couple of uh, professors where they talked about uh, the experience economy. And um, they used as an anecdote in that article, um, the, the television series Taxi, where the, the taxi driver um, would periodically burst out into song or would share a sandwich with uh, the, the people in the back you know, riding uh, the passengers or would point out landmarks as they were as he was driving around uh, New York City. And so um, those kinds of elements made the ride memorable and transformed what was a simple a taxi service, a ride service. And then you see, you know, 15 years later, 20 years later, um, apps like uh, Uber and Lyft, again, transformed the experience. And so they added something to the value of the service through the experience, right? And so, 
um, customer experience, user experience, you know, both those terms are really, really important. Um, and, and there's another macro trend around all of this, which is the consumerization of, of, uh, of uh, technology. And so as consumers, each of us is consuming more and more technology in our daily lives. And so uh, the, the uh, user experience or you know, the degree to which there isn't friction in those experiences becomes a driver of how many people adopt a particular service and then how frequently they come back to use that service. Um, and so that adoption then uh, an engagement, ongoing recurring engagement, translate eventually into retention, customer retention and revenues, which are actually very meaningful to large organizations, right? So uh, there's, a, there's both sort of um, the, the need to delight customers with the quality of the user experience that you're creating, but then there's also this very commercial element to user experience because yep. good user experience demonstrably leads to customer retention and increased revenues, right? And know, so, um, sorry to interrupt. But I mean, what that sparks off for me, Ruby, is uh, you know, the um, user experience is really kind of like become the first impression that we have in our interaction with a with many organizations, particularly financial services. So uh, what, what, what you said, uh, what it made me think of is, you know, in the past, banks would spend a lot of money in the physical world, making their branches look very solid and imposing. And, you know, the point was they were creating the impression in the minds of their customers. And today, as we're signing up online, you know, completely digital-only banks, that user experience has become almost the substitute, the analog, if you like, of the imposing building, you know? How good that user experience is at that point of sign-up becomes one of the dominant first impressions of what you think about this organization. And, and as we as consumers become more and more discerning in a way, in because we're using digital services in so many other aspects, we're kind of saying, well, gee, our bank sign-up is pretty awful. Uh, you know, so that's the first general point I want to make. Uh, user experience matters very much in the onboarding process. But then I am... Um, I just want to pick up on another idea that what we've observed and, and we've seen in this report that we've released is that um, because they want to make the process as seamless as possible, um, many organizations and banks um, have gone the route of saying, well, let's remove the friction from the process. And they've started, they've looked at the early adoption of identity proofing, you know, checking that license and getting the selfie and they've said, well, that experience slows things down. And so they've started to like abandon that in favor of checking other things. In, but in fact, um, as I think we might talk about later, you know, we think two things. One, using these other data points, you know, knowledge-based authentication and that kind of thing, um, in fact, makes it a bit less secure. But more importantly, the trade-off of you can either have a smooth experience or you can be secure isn't as sort of dichotomous as it used to be, you know? In fact, modern technologies and some of the firms that we've found in doing this research have managed to bring this much closer so that you can actually get to real identity proofing, not um, using primary data sources, 
um, you know, the actual ID and the actual person um, without having to sacrifice the UX. Sorry, but that just what you said sparked that off for me. Yeah, no, no, David, that, those are great points. I, I, I want to emphasize the point you made about um, we're using more and more technology in, in every part of our lives with all these different apps. And, uh, and, and one of the effects that we've seen is that when someone sees a really delightful experience in some part of their life, a digital experience, it immediately raises the bar for every other app that they use, right? And, and so even though it might be an unfair comparison, um, people will compare their banking app to their car ride um, uh, app. And, and so um, you really do have to uh, spend time uh, making sure that the user experience is great. And the other point I want to emphasize, uh, David, is um, that user experience is um, getting it right takes a lot of work. Um, it really is as much an art form as it is a science. Um, and, and it is both actually, because um, the people who create delightful experiences, I and mean, that doesn't happen just overnight accidentally. Um, typically, there's a huge amount of thought that goes into it. There's a certain amount of data that's collected. There's A-B testing. Does this work better? Does that work better? Let's try it with 5% of the popular customer population. If it works, okay, we'll, we'll adopt it. If not, we'll try something else. So there is a lot of, you know, let's try this, let's try that. And, and a lot of thinking around what would truly delight customers, right? And so, um, in, uh, in, in large organizations and banks where I've worked, um, when we were looking at, uh, uh, when we were evaluating uh, different providers of solutions, whether it was identity uh, uh, proofing or, or other kinds of FinTech services that we needed, we paid as much weight, maybe more weight to the user experience than to the to the features and functions when we were comparing provide platform providers, because um, we felt it was easier to fill a gap, a feature gap. We could ask the vendor to add a couple more features and it would get done. But getting the user experience right is much harder. Um, and uh, and it's even hard to write a requirements document around user experience, right? Um, because you don't know what it is. It's one of those things that you recognize, oh yeah, that feels right, right? It's the right stuff, but it's hard to quantify it um, until you actually experience it. Totally. And I think this is a great segue into um, discussing the, the paper uh, that we co-collaborated on together. Um, can we talk about some of the, the takeaways and, and what it would take um, for a financial services company to really kind of get this, this trade-off and this, this attention to detail around UX and identity proofing right? So I, I think let me kick off there by saying that you know, what we found is that um, when you look at a number of these solutions that are in the market today, they... Um, they all have common features, which we identify in our research. So essentially we identified about 33 different separate factors, some very objective, you know, time taken to produce a step, number of steps in the interaction. Um, 
And we grouped them under four sort of headings, you know, what was the document capture experience? What was the selfie capture experience? And then what was the overall UX, which is a little bit about what Ruby talked about, that sort of indefinable sense of flow in a way, which is the outcome of all of these things. And we then did a practical hands-on evaluation of the leading solutions in the market and some solutions that are using newer technologies that are making that UX better. And of course, you know, the secret sauce in identity proofing, document-centric identity proofing, which is what we looked at, um, which is looking at that taking a picture of their ID and a selfie, they're using AI and ML technology um, that has improved and has gotten better over the last five, 10 years, so that that whole process is much smoother than it used to be. And ultimately, you know, what, what it's about is saying, uh, you know, in, in ID proofing, it's about saying, well, how, how well is that detection happening? Is it happening automatically? And how well are you automatic that the user experience in this process has become much better? So that is the, uh, that's really the key takeaway. And what we showed in our research and in our report is a ranking of these solutions um, in, in terms of their user experience, which we tested with users around the world using different kinds of identity documents from different countries and seeing how each of the solutions handled this. Um, and and I must say, it, it's been amazing to see how far things have come. Yeah, the, the only other thing I would add is, um, I think organizations need to spend a lot of time and energy and resources um, staying on top of this space um, because the need for good identity proofing verification solutions is just going to increase over time, not decrease. Um, and there are actually lots of different ways in which organizations can um, participate in um, uh, not just selecting a product and using it, but but collaborating with um, peer organizations, with uh, even government organizations um, to, to work on uh, the future of what's coming in digital identity. Um, and so um, it's a really exciting space. And, and I think there's all kinds of um, really great innovation that um, is, is probably uh, um, something to look forward to. This was David Milligan and Ruby Walia in conversation about identity proofing, why it matters, and the importance of UX when choosing the right solution. This is part one of a four-part series we've created with Ulysses Partners on identity proofing. To read the transcript of this conversation and download the full identity proofing guide, head on over to the Tearsheet website.